Welcome to Run Your Mouth. I'm your host, David Melly. This week's guest is Nikki Hiltz, a returning favorite who came on the podcast for another great Run Your Mouth Sidious Mag crossover to talk about coming out as non-binary, being a role model at a time when trans and queer youth are under attack, and their training and racing plans as they gear up for the 2021 Olympic trials. This was a really engaging, really informative episode, and I hope you'll enjoy this deep dive into Nikki's experience. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and download wherever you can. And until next time, this has been Run Your Mouth. All right, and now we welcome on Nikki Hiltz for her second time doing the Run Your Mouth Sidious Mag podcast crossover. The first time we did this was back in 2019 during Boston Marathon weekend, and it was a ton of fun. And now we have to do it from uh, three different places. I think you're in California, David's in Boston, I'm in New York, and I wish we could be doing this one in person. Uh, but it feels that honestly felt like it was three years ago because I feel like we have so much to, to catch up on. It's also Boston Marathon weekend if we were on a normal schedule right now. So and it's, it's snowing, almost, right? That I don't want to get into. It's, <laughs> it's not great right now. Let, of course, the, my, my boyfriend came in from Kentucky last night and his first exposure to spring in Boston on this trip was uh, snow this morning on our run. So it's April 16th. That's the world we're living in. Well, yeah. Well, Nikki, like you, you came and did like Milrose uh, last year before the world shut down. And then I remember you did the workout along the West Side Highway that we filmed. And one of the things was I asked you sort of, I was like, could you ever see yourself like living in New York? I think like the weather was like another component where it's like, no, why would you ever give up like sunny San Diego for New York or even like Boston? So like, I was just wondering, you've, have you raced aside from maybe a cross country race, like in the snow or never? Have I raced in the snow? No, definitely not. No. I feel like the one year it was snowy was Wisconsin NCAAs and I had just graduated or that was in 2019 and I had already graduated. So never, I've definitely been on a run in the snow um like up in mammoth or um even flag it snowed when i was there like in 2019 but no never raced i still stand by i don't really want to give up living in san diego so that hasn't changed from two years ago but <laughs> yeah, no no snow racing for me <laughs> so recently you've had some big news so what is i guess like the last was that a week ago or two weeks ago you came out as trans non-binary what has been the i guess reaction and the whirlwind of just messages because the, the comment section has both it's got positivity and then at the same time toxicity yes yes i mean that's yeah it, it was two weeks ago it's uh, march 31st which is trans day visibility and yeah no exactly it's kind of been a mix of both um i think you know from the my runners and like peers it's been nothing but positive and like you know people I compete against and things like that like people I know I guess I have all just been really supportive and loving and then yeah I guess there's some people that are you know just maybe not educated and and have some issues and concerns but um I don't know I feel like I'm kind of excited and viewing it as an opportunity to educate people on what it means to be trans and 
um yeah but it i definitely like more than anything it feels like a weight's been lifted that i didn't even know was there so um i'm definitely very happy that i shared that two weeks ago um but yeah <laughs> i think i don't know any of the the negativity it, it really is like i feel like we just have to get away from like um you know being trans like automatically means you're like changing your sex or people just think you know like hormones or like gender affirming surgery and it's like okay that's like not what makes someone trans like what makes someone trans is simply like they don't identify as the sex they were assigned at birth and like i'm not changing i'm simply just sharing like who i am and how i've always ad identified if that makes sense mm -hmm. and that I, I imagine we have a pretty dialed in audience to to sort of the you know your story and and, and the news that's come out but do you want to maybe just run through you know how how do you identify <laughs> um, yes. as, as your gender and, and sort of um you know yeah yeah pronouns identity how, how that all <laughs> kind of fits together for you because because i think that part of the part of the mixed reaction folks have is people just not understanding <laughs> right. um what you're trying to say when you talk about sort of who you are and, and yeah, no, that totally makes sense. <laughs> we just jumped right into it. Okay, we'll yeah. go back. <laughs> um, yeah, so I identify as trans non-binary. So basically I don't identify with the sex of female, like completely. And I also don't, you know, 100% identify as like what society deems as like male. So I am neither of those two binaries. So it's called non-binary. And for me, um, you know, I've been called she, her, referred to as she, her, like my whole life. And, um, you know, recently I, after coming out or even before coming out, like the people that were close to me in my life, like knew and my family knew, and I kind of shared my pronouns with them. Like, Hey, can we try like a few they, thems? Like, I'm just trying this out, you know, like slip me some they, thems here and there. See how I feel. And so, um, yeah, my pronouns, I mean, are she her they them but i'm honestly loving the way like they them is feeling so i think it, those are maybe more like my prefer preferred pronouns and um i think i'm just sensitive to like i don't if someone's referring to me because like for so long they've referred to me as like her she like i don't want anyone i want this to be very like learned thing and i don't want people to like i don't i'm not out here trying to cancel anyone if they're like oh nikki like she's passing on the outside and about to win the race you know <laughs> i don't i don't want it to be like oh shit i didn't say that or like you know i i kind of am approaching it as like i would like to be called they but if you mess up and say she her like it's not the end of the world one of the things that's been really nice to see i i've felt like really touched by is that you've gotten a lot of sports media folks reaching out to you directly and asking, you know, literally what are your preferred pronouns? How, how do you want to be referred to in, in broadcasts and interviews and stuff? Yeah, no, that's been awesome. And I just got one last night from NBC, like um, the Olympics, you know, they're like, hey, we're doing a lot of, you know, we want to know, like when we refer to you in a race, like what would you like to be called? And yeah, it's just, and USATF too, like my governing body, it's just, it's very nice. It feels very affirming, you know, to have that support from kind of all angles of the sport, for sure. I like the sort of, a little bit of the behind the scenes sort of stories of when, you know, these announcements come to be, whether it's, you know, uh, an athlete going to a magazine and like entrusting a writer to, you know, tell this story. 
um, or they do it in a TV special or something like that. And for you, I guess you chose, you just take it into your own hands. There's, it's simple enough, an Instagram post. Uh, but as you mentioned, like people close to you have known this for a while. Uh, in what you wrote, how long did that sort of take you? How long did it sit in the drafts? And then when the moment you hit publish, how did that feel? Yeah, no, that's a good question. Um, it definitely had been sitting in the drafts and um, people knew, like my family knew, uh, my girlfriend knew, um, Mac and Sam knew, uh, you know, just like a few close friends. And I just kind of came out because I was like ready to. Um, there's, there's definitely more to this story. I, there or there's like a lot of reasons, but I think, um, I, I kind of have to like go back and explain some stuff, but basically I'm planning this pride 5k this year for, uh, the second year in a row. And, um, I, last year people took my race as like an opportunity to come out themselves about their sexuality. And I just thought that was like so cool and like such a surprise I wasn't expecting. And so for this year, when planning this year's race, I was like, okay, I want to have conversations with these people and, you know, find a way to incorporate that into this year's race. So basically like last month, um, early March, I started recording these podcasts with these four people. And um, I had had on Trans Day, Visibility, Trans Day of Visibility, it was March 31st. And I think on the 30th, I had my first uh, recording. And... I, I'm not a seasoned podcast episode host like y'all are. Um, I honestly have so much respect for you after doing my first one. I'm like, this is rough. Like, um, but it was ended up being like a great conversation. And literally after that conversation, I was like, okay, I think I want to come out. Like I was just inspired by um, Maria, if you're listening. She, she was one of the, the ones I had a conversation with and just her, her whole story about like, coming out and race day and how she felt afterwards. And I was like, wow, like I want that again, you know, and I think I'm ready. So I called my girlfriend. I was like, I think I'm going to come out. Like, I think I'm ready to do it. And she's like, let's do it. You know, just like so supportive. And um, yeah, I think more than anything, I just came out because I was ready to. And um, I had felt so affirmed and supported by the people in my life. So that I knew that I, no matter what, I could lean on them. And like, those are the people that mattered. And I think I also kind of finally had the context and language to accurately articulate what I had been navigating my whole life, like when it came to my gender identity. Mm -hmm. And then I guess a little bit on sort of like after that, because when the behind the scenes conversations are sort of happening, I mean, can you take us through, like, for example, like Mac Fleet, your coach, and like your training partner, Sam Murphy, like the two of them, like how... and similarly like David and I are like super close to you as well where you know it's gonna there is an adjustment and learning period where it's like ah those pronouns like it's gonna take us a little bit to to get used to how has that sort of gone with 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 those people close to you um no it's been great like it's and like I said like you said it is an adjustment and like but Mac and Sam have really just like they're like it's like anything like if you um it's hard because they already know me. So, you know, they're like, okay, mm-hmm. we have to adjust, but they're amazing at it. And they, um, you know, rarely ever slip up. And it's also, I'm never, when you using pronouns, you're never like really with the person. Like I would, it's rare that I'm like, would say he in front of you right now. Like yeah. it's always kind of, you're talking about them and they're not there. 
but you know when it has happened it's you know it does feel so affirming when mac is like you know oh like they want to do this or like they're gonna hit this pace today and uh i don't know i just feel feels really good and i'm really grateful that they're the type of people who like are constantly wanting to educate themselves and um you know learn and like grow with me and um yeah it's just felt really good i think yeah and then same with my girlfriend like you know like they thems and like it you know she's even coming from like a mormon family and like will refer to me to her mom as they and it's just like you know it it's it's possible and it's not it's definitely something we can all learn and it's not impossible i guess um and also like at the end of the day like emma also just says nikki a lot you know mm -hmm. like you don't have to if they them is too like grammatically incorrect for you you know like you can just say nikki like you can just call me by my name um but yeah i think i've had really good conversations with mac about it and he he always says it's like say you're introducing yourself and you're like oh like my name's chris and it would be like if i was like mm, no you look more like a derek like I don't <laughs> do that. you know it's like you wouldn't do that so um we're just like laughing at like yeah it's actually really straightforward or then with sam we'll be like it's so funny how people get so upset when you like misgender their dog you know you're like oh my god like i'm so sorry like oh no she's actually a girl you're like i'm so sorry i called like your i just dog. saw a tiktok about that <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah i think that's why we talked about it we saw tiktok <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think one thing you're getting at too is that intent is so important and like a lot of this and i think you know uh, having had a lot of conversations with folks about you know learning more about queer identity and becoming educated on sort of things that they maybe because they you know identify as great have not really had to sort of come to terms with i think you can always tell when someone is sort of you know has a willingness to, to learn and grow and understand and meet the person where they are and so i think there's there's a there's a huge uh you know difference between somebody you know slipping up in good faith and slipping up in bad faith and yeah. you can always tell <laughs> um i wanted to ask you about um just the concept of fluidity and like i think you've talked a little bit about this and sort of um you know you're identifying as non-binary i think that's something that maybe people who identify as, as cisgender don't necessarily understand or think about a lot of this idea of gender because of the nature of what it is of you know it is a performance it's a construct it's you know this very um you know socially engineered thing um how do, how do you see sort of the fluidity of your own gender identity even now as you've sort of you know picked a lane as it were as <laughs> you know the the, the they lane <laughs> No, I think that's, yeah, it's a good, good point. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's a lot about like every, I think everything is fluid and like, uh, you know, with sexuality, like you have, you know, that's pretty fluid with me. Like I've dated men and women and like, it's the same thing with like my gender identity. Like we all have like sun and moon energy, you know, sometimes like we want to be like, I don't know and it, it's so interesting because the world has like deemed certain things masculine and certain things feminine but it's just i don't know i feel like i've just gotten to a point where i've like done a lot of like you know deep dives within myself and like 
no, this feels right to me. I feel like both. So therefore I feel like neither. And so, you know, kind of understanding what non-binary meant, I was like, oh my God, like that's what I've been feeling my whole life, you know? Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's, it's complicated. Like I wrote in that caption, it's complicated and complex and something like I'm still trying to navigate myself, but I think it's like cool that I can like navigate it while like openly and like people can like watch and kind of be a part of my journey with me. And then it's like, you know, allowing a space for others to like do the same. And um, I think like, yeah, I don't really have all the answers. I just know that I'm fluid with my gender and I'm ready to like come out about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. With the that whole complex nature of, of things, how much of the reception to things when you do get sort of like that that pushback comes from you know the crowd that focuses more on the sport side of things where where you know they don't believe that there's a place for you know transgender athletes in sport and then in a way like what what do you go back to in in sort of your response when when it comes to that sort of criticism um I think a lot right now it's like such a hot topic because of like everything that's happening um you know with all these bills across the country and um for me I'm just like really just go back to like we're talking about like kids here we're literally talking about like kids wanting to compete in sports like and I just get aren't making money aren't getting scholarships no like like high school kids you know (laughs) high school or younger like not a threat to anyone and not just like I just go back to like it's just sport is a place for everyone and like I I just remember growing up like I did this program called junior guards which is like um basic I think we talked about it maybe last time in this podcast but it's basically just like where I fell in love with running and it's this program on the beach where you're like little kids are in red bathing suits like the boys are in red board shorts the girls are in like you know, two piece bathing suits. And like, I did guards my entire life. And like, it's literally where I found that I was like a really good runner and really loved running and pushing my body in that way. And I didn't do it the first summer when I was six, because I didn't want to wear like a girl's bathing suit. I was like, that's not me. Like, that doesn't match what I'm feeling inside. And like, I'm not going to do it. And so I didn't, like, I literally sat on the sidelines and like, watched as like, you know, this sport that I was like, running and swimming on the beach with all my friends I was like okay I can't like I can't do that like so I basically picked my gender identity like over sports and I think trans kids will do that every time like eventually like the next summer when I was seven I was like I want to do this so badly like I'm just like screw it I'm just gonna wear red board shorts and a rash guard like I literally looked like a little boy out there because I was like I don't want to wear a bathing suit like that was just like something I like wasn't gonna do And so, like, I kind of found a way for, like, me to do sport and, like, express my gender identity. And I think, like, if, like, if I was forced to wear a girl's bathing suit, like, I never would have done it. And I eventually, like, you know, grew up and progressed and was, like, you know, felt comfortable in a girl's bathing suit and, like, you know, wore two pieces or whatever. But, like, with these bills, it's so dangerous because, like, these, if you, if you say, like, to a trans kid, like, okay, you can play sports, but, like, you have to, like, I'm sorry, but you just, like, have to, like, do it in the sex that, like, you were assigned at birth, like, they're not going to do it, and then they're going to miss out on, like, a lot of, like, opportunities that sport can grant them, like, 
you know, because of junior guards, I fell in love with running. And then because I fell in love with running, I got to like, you know, go to a university and like get a scholarship and run for like UVO and then also Arkansas. And then I've also like been able to turn it into a career and like represent my country on the world stage. Like it just like, I just kind of go back to like, I like, we need to make like sports a place for all. And it's just like, so like, I'm just so passionate about like creating safe spaces in sport because I've been so affected by it personally, I guess. So there was this quote in this Sports Illustrated article that just came out today about transgender athletes. Uh, and uh, Laisha Clarendon from the New York Liberty, I think, was quoted in it. And it just really sums up exactly what you just said, where it's like, right now, you either fit in or you get lost. Like, you meet the NCAA or IOC standards that make you eligible to play on the men's or women's side, or you don't or you transition and you get lost, forced to move on with your life. And it's just sort of like, it, it just sucks to hear that when you do have to conform, it's, it doesn't feel like you. And I think also part of it is that, and, and I'd be interested to, to see how you sort of conceptualize this, Nikki, but with everything, all these conversations that we've had around sort of gender and sports is, it's ultimately, you know, trying to, trying to put a square peg to a round hole. Gender is so much bigger than the, you know, the categories that we have in Olympic track and field racing. And whether it's, you know, non-binary athletes, trans athletes, athletes with DSD, like we, as, as we, as our understanding of gender grows, we're understanding just so much more how limited these categories are. And I have to imagine that part of the part of your journey is kind of understanding that there's a difference between, you know, Nikki, the athlete who as her job competes in the women's category mm-hmm. and Nikki, the person who is like much bigger and more, you yeah. know, uh, bigger than that, you know, simple label. I, I have to imagine that's kind of a distinction you, you've been forced to make ultimately. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, just sport like society in general is obviously so gendered but I think especially sport and so I just I just always wonder like had I not been an athlete would I have like come out way sooner you know or like because it's so gendered like and it's so like one or the other and um yeah I, I, I definitely think it's what it is right now is very limiting like you said and so yeah I think I'm just like passionate about sharing my story and then also advocating for others stories like mine and um trying to make it less limiting you know Mm -hmm. and um yeah (laughs) have you given much thought to like what the what your fellow competitors like think of you because you can go like the one angle where just like i don't care like this is me but at the same time like if there was like sort of like i'm thinking like the right wing extremist sort of headline that people could run with hypothetically if like you take one of three of olympic spots at the trials someone could go about then asking the rest of your the competitors in that race you know what was it like losing one of the spots on the olympic team to a transgender runner and then like i feel like that story wouldn't get any sort of play because these are the same competitors you've had since you've been a professional, since you've been in college, since you've been in high school, and nothing really has has changed. Yeah, 
I mean, I think that would be hilarious if if anyone were to feel any type of way about that. Um, and I, like, I'm not sure how many right wing competitors. <laughs> You'll be you'll um, you'll be surprised because it's like CC Telfair will do like anything, and then like the Daily Caller and all the and like Breitbart will have five really awful headlines about her, and it and it's crazy because it's like you're covering like a like some local sort of high school track meet that and this is like this has been going on for years now. I think at this point in, on the college level, and it's it's so uh, it's it's awful to see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely something like, I, I just think, I also think a place people could go or would go is like, oh, well, like Nikki's on testosterone now, you know, if ever I were to like win, you know, a race or something. And it's just like, I don't know how to like explain to you that like, you know, hormones aren't what makes a person trans. And like, I don't know, I guess I would, I get tested by USADA, like, they literally came yesterday like very regularly and like I'm not doing that and I don't know I think I'm simply just I think I said it earlier but like transitioning isn't what makes someone trans and like I am not changing like I'm not you know taking hormones or I'm not getting gender affirming surgery like I'm literally just like showing up and asking to be referred to as they them sometimes (laughs) like and um I don't know, like you said, like, I think a lot of people are like, cool, like, that's awesome. Like, not a big deal. Like, you're still Nikki. And like, you know, you're still a great runner or like a cool person. Like, and I really think that that's the response that I will get from Mm -hmm. my competitors, because that's what I've gotten from them already. But um, yeah, you know, you have people like Let's Run or I don't know, uh, like that will try to make something of nothing, I guess. Well, and and I should also that point out, you know, you brought up CC Telfer, Chris, and I think given, you know, it's it's worth acknowledging, and I, I have to imagine the Sidious Mag podcast is, is maybe a little more <laughs> woke than the, the Let's Run message board audience, but, um, you know, CC Telfer, who the, the D1 hurdle, D2 hurdler, um, and then Andrea Yearwood, who's the um, uh, Connecticut sprinter, mm. um, who's I think still in high school. Um, they're black trans queer women. And I do think that one of the things we sort of should call out is the fact that, um, you know, the, the headlines you're talking about, you know, are people who, you know, will absolutely target folks with intersecting marginalized identities because the people that they're catering to see them as, you know, that much more of a threat because they are, um, you know, because they're black, because they're trans women, um, because they were assigned male at birth. There's, there's many different levels of frankly, racism and misogyny (laughs) that go into those headlines. And, and, and I think, you know, I'm hoping that I'm preaching to the choir on this, but it's also, you know, worth pointing out that, that, not only do these headlines sometimes come from, you know, a place of pure ignorance, but they also come from a place of really targeting, Mm -hmm. um, you know, folks who unfortunately, you know, society sees as quote unquote, like the most threatening. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of intersectionality at play with their identities and yeah, it's very, Mm -hmm. very targeted for sure. 
So you you mentioned just sort of a, a bit of like the legislation that's going on right now. Part of it too is like it's pretty heated in Arkansas of all places where uh, you graduated from, uh, and it it feels like one it would be a place for you to try and like I want to you know put up the biggest fight I can because Arkansas is so close to home. But at the same time, there's a level you have to kind of balance there of like it's also like a really scary place for, for, I mean, when we did this podcast two years ago, I kind of had asked you, what was it like, I guess, being gay in a place like Arkansas in like Fayetteville. And you had mentioned that, you know, one of the things that happened, I guess it really stood out to you is that you got yelled at by a guy in like a truck once or something like that. Um, But this seemed like just seeing sort of like the responses to the, this legislation that they're trying to pass and is like, it, like people are out with pitchforks for 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 that this kind of stuff, and it makes it it's so much scarier. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, Arkansas was the first state to pass, um, you know, one of these bills that bans healthcare for mm-hmm. you know trans youth. And I think in two months, like that can go into effect. I mean, the ACLU is you know um, suing them, and you know we kind of have to band together to like try to stop as many of these as possible but like basically that one already is a law and it's really heartbreaking and you know i think right now it's like i just trying to like keep up with all of them and like stay educated on them like there's one today like hb 1298 in um north dakota that the governor is it's actually like a viable veto so we just have to like flood um his email and um just be like i you know and i've been emailing them and i just say like i support like or like please veto this bill like you know um and it's it's worked like the Ar- the saddest part i think to me about arkansas is that the governor you know did veto it and then it was like kind of this glimmer of hope like oh my gosh like you know all this grassroots or like us calling and like um emailing like it's actually working and then you know legis- the other legislators like essentially band together to you know override his veto and it's just like crushing um i think you do see like a lot of people though like fighting and i think that that has been really hopeful um i don't know yeah it's just crazy and i like like in arkansas like the people aren't the people that I know, at least still there in the state, are very upset by it. You know, they're not like, hell yeah, like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, um, I guess it's like cool to see that there is a lot of like discord there. And it's not like you can't, you know, a whole state is not like, you know, feels, I guess, the same way as their like legislators, but. Yeah, I mean, I personally, it's just like, it sucks. And I don't, I have such a strong urge to like, you know, when in sending these emails, like there's one in Florida too, and Florida is like a huge, um, you know, tourist spot. And it's just like, you know, part of the emails you can send are just like, I will not be going there. Like, I will not be vacationing there if this bill passes. And I think like, that's what I can do as an athlete who has somewhat of a platform be like, I will not be racing in any of these states that like, have these like bans on trans kids like I just that's not in alignment with who I am or like what I believe in and so like I will not be doing that and like you also have cycling teams like I think Fayetteville was gonna host uh I think this weekend or something like a a cycling championship and you know a few teams like pulled out because they're like no 
like we're not going there and we're not going to give your state we're not going to fund your state you know like and so i think that that's kind of have been how i'm like dealing with it like there are things and steps i can take um to just as an individual to like you know try to do what i believe in and like i know it's right mm -hmm. and as someone you know you, you talk about things you can do as an individual but i think one of the real values that that athletes and other sort of you know public figures bring to the table is this relatability factor where for a lot of folks you know it's just the concept of you know trans identity or non-binary identity is just foreign to them and to I, I think that's you know people sort of always say like why should athletes you know get involved in politics or speak up or whatever but I, but I think for folks you know if you don't have you know that direct experience to be able to be like oh Nikki's one of my favorite runners, you know, I think they're awesome and I know how hard they work in training and oh, also there's this other really interesting side of their identity that is important to talk about and is relatable and is, you know, you be still being the same person and that I think makes such a difference in terms of folks understanding of, of the issue is seeing people that they can point to and say, oh, 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 I can understand this because this person that I liked already you know, is also to bringing this other side of their, their life to, yeah. to the spotlight. <laughs> no, I mean, totally. That's exactly what it's all about. And, like, I think sometimes, like, on social media, like, apps like TikTok, I feel like I'm in this bubble of, like, because just that algorithm is so, like, specified to, like, that app knew I was gay as soon as I opened it, you know? <laughs> and it was, so I think I kind of get lost in this world of, like, oh yeah like there's a like you know this whole community that's like got my side got my back like this is literally no big deal and then i forget when i go on instagram or twitter i'm like oh shit okay like i have i am actually a runner and i have a lot of like you know people who have never heard what that means have a lot of ignorance or hate around it and i'm like oh okay wait actually cool i can bring people to what this is help educate or like you know maybe and like may, i think the most important part of it all is like maybe you have like a dad out there watching me or like is a track nerd or whatever and then like they're like his kid is like dad i'm a boy but like I, you know or like like their kid is trans or something and then it's like his first response isn't like isn't immediately like pushback it's like okay wait i've heard this before or like you know let me like see what nikki's done or posted or like okay like kind of make that connection i think that's kind of like what it's all about. And that's why I like continually want to keep being like open and authentic with my journey through it all, just in hopes that like, you never know who's watching, I guess. One of the things I've liked about your TikTok in particular, I think is something that I do think gets lost in this conversation, which can be really, you know, serious and heavy. And it is, you know, it's a serious and important issue, but it's also, you can also be, you know, make jokes about it and have fun with, you know. I, I think the running about. world doesn't realize how big and, and how funny Nikki is uh, unless they follow her on, on TikTok, which we, we might be blowing up her spot right now because she's already at like over 50K followers or whatever on there. I think I'm, a, I'm just over 60K, yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, and, and also I think that, that you know, obviously I think it's important to, that folks understand, you know, there's a real difference between sort of, 
jokes at someone, uh, some, a marginalized person's expense. And sort of the fact that it's like this stuff is, you know, it's, it can't in the way that any part of life can be silly or <laughs> stupid or you make a joke about it because you're frustrated. You know, I think that that I've, I've been, really been enjoying that part of uh, your, your online presence as being like, this is also ridiculous. And here's a 30 second video explaining why. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. I didn't know that you have a TikTok, David. Oh, you don't know that David's on TikTok? David's David recently blew up. I'm a I'm a recent um yeah, I actually made a my I had a uh semi-viral TikTok that was about about coming to terms with being gay. So hell um, yeah. I mean (laughs) I I I I think that's I mean TikTok, but also just like you know, the kids these days anyways, you know, it's, I mean, we're like so ancient by like TikTok standards, but it's like, I do think there's, (laughs) as much as the internet has its good sides and its bad sides, I do think one of the things I love about TikTok is like you said, you know, it's like TikTok figures out you're gay within, you know, 10 seconds of you opening the app. And I just, I think and hope that, you know, this ability of folks who from all over the world who are super diverse and have different stories and everything to get into, you know, the phone of some 14 year old kid that's super confused about who they are and then find someone who's like them, you know, it's like that's such a social media gets such a bad rap sometimes. And I think that people forget that there's such a, there's such an affirming component of it as well um, to be like, I am, 15 and for some reason uh i'm deep in lesbian tiktok <laughs> it's like there's something two that- does sometimes equal four. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh this might have been when you and i were in austin and i mentioned something about like how because i follow you and because i follow david but then all of a sudden my algorithm chris gets, chris gets a lot of queer tiktok <laughs> on his feed <laughs> I think yeah. Dana and I have said the same exact thing. It's like, yeah, we follow the two of them and, and now it just ends up on our feeds too. Yeah. Like one of Nikki's yeah. videos and now TikTok thinks I'm a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to touch on one of your TikToks before like, we can move on to talking about you know, the Pride 5K and then prep for the, the trials. The one from where, where you came out as trans non-binary with the Macklemore song and you're doing the face paint of the, of the flag uh, your hand is like visibly shaking. And I was like, this is a very like raw moment. And then I'm kind of also thinking just because I know how many times, how many takes it sometimes uh, takes to make a TikTok. You have to tell me that was the first take. And like, yeah, yeah you're like, because awesome. with the face paint, like you you're can like have like, your face off in between. <laughs> that, was the first, that was the first take, first and only. Yeah. That was a, a popular trend that was going around with the, with the pride flag, the rainbow flag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to make one of, like, the trans flag, you know? And this is another thing where I just, like, sat in the drafts because I was like, I'm not ready. And I think that's why my hands are shaking because I was like, I don't know if I'll ever be ready. It was kind of this, like, and I, and it was, like, a sad thing, like, and then, I don't know. Yeah, it was very, like, you said, like, raw. I was like, um, and then that actually is where I've gotten, like, the most. Like, whenever I'm, like, you know, see a weird tweet or, like, you know, get a really inappropriate dm i feel like i can go back to that tiktok and like just like read the comments on that because it's just like hundreds and hundreds and it's like only continuing to like grow because like um, tiktok has this algorithm that like puts it on people's pages that like 
need to see it or want to see it, you know? And so it's always, I, it's that TikTok, the comment section of that TikTok is like my safe space <laughs> and where I can like always go, I guess. To like well, I'm guessing like you've <laughs> also just like blown up since the, cause I feel like we recorded the podcast in Boston two years ago. And that was the same weekend that you won the, uh, the mile. And there was the photo of you with the rainbow flag that was draped around you posted on like the Adidas Instagram. Uh, and the comment section there started to get a little bit nasty. But I also feel like it's you, you've grown in sort of popularity. More people know who you are. You made a world team after that. Um, I'm also going to just jump in and say this was two different weekends in Boston. <laughs> was it? That was the Adidas games, yeah. right? Yeah. You guys interviewed me after... Um, the Boston Marathon Mile. Oh, yeah. that's right. James Road Mile, where I was draped in the flag. But I win a lot of road miles, so it's confusing. I know. That's just me being pedantic. Go on. Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah, but but I well, regardless, you've your your following and all that kind of stuff has definitely grown. Like your your just like the scope of how much of uh, your profile has uh, grown since then. I mean, has handling the criticism gotten any easier? um that's also a really good question like that was okay so yeah i was very irrelevant when we had this first conversation <laughs> you guys believed in me when no one else did. <laughs> um but i think that so those comments were just about like my sexuality right like it was a pride flag and it was like mm -hmm. i don't know i think it, it, i also have to remember that adidas is a global brand like they have followers in like you know like Doha, like, or like the Middle East, where it's just like not even remotely like accepted or a thing there. And like, I think, you know, it, it was very hard at the time and very weird because I was like in my little bubble of San Diego and I was like, whoa, okay, like, how do I deal with this? And I kind of took the humor route, like, you know, I was like, okay, this is some of these you just have to laugh at. And, you know, like, um, but this time around, it's been, honestly, I think it's been harder for me because back then I was living in a world where like gay marriage had been legalized in 2015 and it was like 2019, you know? And I was like, they live in San Diego and the neighboring neighborhood is Hillcrest where it's like the gay neighborhood, you know? And it's just like, I, there's so much representation all around me all the time. And so I was like, okay, like, you know, whatever. But now it's like, I came out in a world where like literally every single day there's like hundreds of like, anti-trans bills like trying to be passed and pushed and like it's really hard because this is a really hot conversation right now and like everyone has an opinion on it and you know it has been really hard because I also think like internally I just haven't done all the work yet to be not transphobic myself you know and I think I had at, in 2019 you know I'd been out for like three years at that point and I was like you know at this point in my life where I'm like I had kind of worked through a lot of my internalized homophobia, but I think right now I'm still working through my internalized transphobia. And so it is, it is kind of like hard when you see a comment and you're like, God, I kind of like feel that way too. Like I didn't ask to be this way either, you know, but it's like, it's kind of cool because I am like discovering just more and more about myself and like, you know, having those conversations with myself and like doing them on runs. And like, I don't know, I think uh, it's definitely gotten when it comes to my sexuality, it's, I'm like, don't even think about it. I'm like, LOL, you know, like it's 2021, like I was the times, you know, <laughs> but like, and then I'm kind of trying to bring that same energy to like, 
you know, my gender identity and as well. And so I don't know, it's just a journey and a process and like, you know, I'm going through it, but it doesn't get, I, I guess I did, I was talking to my mom about it the other day and she said like, you know, like it's important to be who you are so that the right people love you. And I was like, yeah, like that's what it is, you know? And so I just felt like it was, it is really important to like continue to just show up as myself in like all areas of my life so that like the right people on my side and like the right people are following me or like giving me feedback and like, I don't know, kind of lean into that more than anything, I think. Gosh, moms just know the right thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> my mom is so wise. <laughs> All right, Pride 5K. Um, this this time around, again, virtual, uh, This t- right? There's no in-person race this time around. But when, I mean, we, we it's so hard to forecast like what we think when we're going to be able to, you know, hold massive sort of races. But in your head, all right, let's do away with the pandemic at the end of, you know, 20, by the end of 2021. Uh, for 2022, what does the, the Pride Run 5K look like? In 2022? Yeah, 2022, um, definitely yeah. Definitely want it to be in person by then. Like, uh, I'm working on this with um, Max, Sam, my girlfriend, Emma. And, um, yeah, we, we're already, like, talking about it. And Mac has this vision of, like, a rainbow tunnel the last, like, hundred. And, like, uh, definitely, like, we're in the work. Like, that's the goal. I think this year, though, you know, just make it virtual again. Um you know, yeah, hoping by 2022, we can, you know, have people fly out and do it. Um, and kind of this year, it's also um, in July, just because of the trials. Um, and, you know, June is Pride Month, but San Diego actually celebrates Pride in July. Their Pride weekend is July 17th. And so that's the day of our race um, to kind of piggyback all, all the excitement that's going on in San Diego that weekend. And I don't know why they do it in July. I think they just want to be like the last hurrah of Pride. So like, you know, in Pride, not- Pride can be year round. Yeah, Pride <laughs> is year round. <laughs> yeah, this year it's, you know, it's going to be virtual again, but we're still really excited. There's, um, like I said, I kind of have these podcasts with these four people who used the race last year to come out. And those are going to be in the training plans that we're having again. And um I'm really excited about those. Um, there's some fun like cooking videos in the training plans and like there's a guest appearance by like, you know, um, a foodie. So it's, it'll be yeah, fun. I, I will <laughs> say, I, I remember this from doing the Pride 5K last year for, for people who haven't done it. This, you don't just get like, you don't sign up for the race. Like you get a whole fucking like uh, <laughs> gift basket of like virtual content um, right. <laughs> when you sign up for the Pride 5K, including yeah, training and exclusive blogs and podcasts and stuff. So yeah, uh, definitely worth your worth your charitable dollar for sure. Right, and it all goes to a great cause. <laughs> yeah, and last year you guys raised what more than thirty thousand dollars, right? Yeah, I think it was around. It was thirty three thousand. So That's yeah, amazing. the goal this year is to just get you know more people and and more money to the Trevor Project. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like there's like going to be giveaways and like, I don't know. I'm really excited. Just, we're just like have all these ideas and like, it's just such a funny group of people working on it too. Cause there's so many different like personalities. Like Sam and I are very like, uh, kind of like follow the dopamine when we're like planning things. <laughs> and then like Mac is very like Mac and Emma are more like, okay, like this is the shit we got to get done, you know? And like, I think it's just been so fun. And like, 
uh, Sam and Mac are both actually like really artistic and like good at design. Like Sam, Sam created like all the design for it and they just have like such a good vision of like aesthetic and like, you know, what we want the Instagram to look like and like the vibe of the whole thing. So um, it's just been really fun. Like obviously those people are all runners as well. And like, we're all passionate about sport and like running fast, but like, we're also like, it's cool to see where people's strengths lie. Like when you're not running, you know, mm -hmm. um, that's been really fun for sure. Mac is back on t-shirt duty because or, or for this year because I heard when I was with him in Austin he was like that was maybe like one of the hardest parts of the whole entire thing it's just you know the printing of the shirts the packing and like the mailing them all out like what was the behind the scenes of that <laughs> oh my gosh that was such a shit show I think you I can tell Mac that I wear that shirt all the time so <laughs> it was hard work paid off yeah okay Mac didn't okay here's what happened we were gonna make all of them because we were like, we have a screen printer, we have a, you know, a thing that cuts it all, whatever. We're like, well, yeah, we're gonna make all of them, like no big deal. Then it like blew up. Like when registration opened, we had like 2000 people sign up. And we're like, okay, we cannot make 2000 shirts in my little ass one garage in North Park, San Diego. So we're like, okay, we need to outsource. And yeah, but but packing them was like another shit show. But we, um, we basically, cause it was, the shipping got delayed and who even know, that was like there was so much going on in the world it was like black lives matter was happening so like it would it was just like we're like can we still even do this like there was uh we had basically we had to outsource to amigo screen printing which is like he the guy that owns it he's a runner and he ran with Mac's dad like the totes mm -hmm. and um you know robert he he like wanted to do it for free because it was like you know we were runners and it was a good cause and he basically saved our life we got them all screen printed and then we only had like two weeks to send them out and we were like okay like and it just happened to be people got them exactly like the day before the race so like people probably thought it was like intentional but we were just like obviously it wasn't the intention we want people to get their stuff like a month before you know like and so we were just in my garage or in my apartment it was like so hot and my ac was broken and we were just like piling like packaging like 2000 shirts and um yeah mac was in charge of like you know printing out the dymo which is like where all the addresses go mm -hmm. and uh yeah just like slapping them on these like <laughs> envelopes sam and i were shoving t-shirts in them sam and i were not being helpful at all we were like does anyone want donuts mac's like no we have to like <laughs> pack these so but i think it made it really fun because it was like such a personal like i touched every single one of those packages you know like at one point or another I probably shouldn't say that because of like COVID, but like, <laughs> I think like, like personally, you know, like I was like so connected to it because I was like the one sending them and um, yeah, it was just, it was really fun. Uh, this year we're going to keep registration open also. So like through the trials, it'll be open. Um, you may just like get your shirt after race day, but I think that's going to be really fun too. Cause like, I think that'll be an extra motivator for me to like make that Olympic team, you know, to be like, I don't know the more if i make this team like how much more money could that be for the trevor project or like you know how much bigger could this like event that's like so wholesome become so that's kind of like i don't know i'm just excited like the olympics coming up was not a reason to not do it i mm -hmm. guess yeah i slipped you a hundred bucks for dropping legs are feeling good on the nbc broadcast after you made that first uh team in 2019 but uh i would encourage you to use your broadcast time a little bit uh, more wisely this time around 
<laughs> and by that, he means promoting run your mouth. How's <laughs> <laughs> oh uh, the tattoo? Uh, do many people ask about it? Or it's, it's, in, it's in a spot where not too many people, well, yeah, you could see it. <laughs> Can you see it? Um, yeah, I see it. It's good. It's a little... It's also, for those people listening to this, it's on her arm. Chris just made it sound like she had, like, legs are feeling good on her ass. <laughs> on my, on my, yeah. It's on the back of my arm, too, so anyone, like, I don't know. I It's it's a pretty subtle spot, but honestly, I think I got it too small because it might be, like, bleeding together. I'll get it redone. <laughs> nice. Well, it's it's such a good thing. It's a reminder to your competitors in the middle of the race if they're caught up behind you. It's just like, well, leg, uh, legs are feeling good on Nikki's, so I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you have a next tattoo planned? Um, I want to, like, you know, I definitely want um, the whole sleeve. So I feel like Shelby has her top part, and I have, like, my bottom part. So... I, I feel like if our arms were to have a baby, that's like what I would want. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I definitely need to get my shoulder sometimes. Either that or like Ellie's going to show up to uh, trials with her whole torso covered in tattoos just uh, yeah, to Ellie, try and flex on you guys. Like both, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the answer there that you should have said was like, oh, any plans for your next tattoo? You should have just said Olympic rings. <laughs> oh, that would have been clever. All right, edit, Chris, edit that. We can edit out. All right, let's do it, let's do it all over again. David, ask the question. Nikki, answer it. <laughs> Don't jinx it, though. That's the that's the problem. Could you imagine getting the rings before you make a team? Oh my god. Or it'd be I'm it'd be cool sure, to like. I'm sure someone has. Oh yeah, yeah. Someone has definitely done that. But you know, it'd be pretty baller to you know in the middle of your interview uh, after making the team be like, I've got. Sorry, I. I I've got a tattoo appointment to run to, like right yes, after. Yes, <laughs> I always, I always thought it um, would be a cool idea to, if you had like some sort of really meaningful personal best to get like that time tattooed under where your watch is. But the pro, <laughs> it's the jinxing it problem where you're like, if you like do something more special after that, it's like. I'll tell you, well, the first time I break five for the mile, four fifty nine is going on my wrist. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. You're welcome. Yeah. See, that's the thing is I, I think either it's a post-retirement tattoo where you know where all your PRs are going to land or it's a like meaningful singular moment. Uh, yeah. I think that's cute. Hey, if I break four in the 15, I'll get 359 tattoo. Perfect. There we go. <laughs> so speaking of, how's, how's training been going and like what is, uh, what do the next couple of weeks look like before the, the trials for you? Because it's crazy to say it's weeks away. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Um, yeah, I mean, I am opening up my season in two weeks at uh, Hayward. So uh, I'm excited to see that stadium and, you know, uh, open up my season there. And then uh, I'll do um, Mount Sac probably uh, early May. And then the Boost Games in Boston. And then that'll be kind of it, I think. That's what's on the schedule right now. So if something else comes up and I'm feeling fit or I want to run an 800 or something, like I'll do that. But I'm not going to any like Diamond Leagues beforehand just because like I don't want to, you know, I think it's just I don't want to deal with quarantine or like I think it's just safer just to say domestic. And yeah, I'm excited. I'm feeling I'm feeling really fit. Uh, I'm feeling definitely confident. I'm excited to start racing. And um, yeah, I think. I think I'm really excited to see Hayward more than anything. It's going to be 
so jarring, I think, to see that huge stadium. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I've obviously done it before. I was third in 2019, and uh, I just, I feel like I'm kind of holding on to that. Like, you've done it before. You you know what it takes, you, you know, um, leaning into that. Uh, but I obviously know that, like, right now is, you know, uh, a really exciting time for American middle distance runners, and I'm just excited to be a part of it. And I know it's going to be, like, probably a sub four race um and i just have to get now it's just like i gotta get fit enough to be there with 50 to go <laughs> as a uh quote unquote pure miler how does it feel to see all the people sort of engaging in the 5k versus 1500 debate <laughs> decision i'll tell you i was in the car with Nikki when the USATF schedule got changed. So I'm not going to speak for her and tell her what her, for her um, full reaction was, but, but I'm curious to hear her answer. I, I literally was like, this is the best case scenario. <laughs> I mean, you're, I, I don't know. Like I think the best 5k runners in the country are also some of the best 1500 runners in the country. So that might automatically like take one or two of them out. And, um, I don't know. I, obviously, at the end of the day, everyone's going to pick the event that they want to pick and like want to run. So, uh, but I am obviously, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> definitely a little bit excited for sure. So wait, you, you're, you're putting all your cards into the 1500 or you think there's a chance that you could also, no, <laughs> no I mean, I'm talking to the eight, wait, is the eight? Oh, <laughs> Yeah, no, I mean, I think I'll definitely enter in the eight for sure. Um, it's it's um, the 1500s the first three days, and then the eights maybe like, I think there's two days in between and then the eight start. Um, so yeah, I'll definitely enter both if like, you know, I don't make the team the 15 or like I fall or like get fourth, you know, like something like that happens, I will also be entered in the eight. Um, and, you know, maybe pull up Brenda Martinez, but, like, mm-hmm. reverse and, you know, <laughs> make the team. I think that's all I've got. David, do you have anything else? Because we did the, our final questions with, with Nikki last time. No, I, I mean, I just think this uh, – this, uh, I, I hope people enjoyed this. I, I really enjoyed hearing about this. Um, <laughs> and I think the main takeaway is go follow Nikki on TikTok. Like, I think that yeah. was really what this whole episode was for. <laughs> no other platform, Yeah. <laughs> No, well, I mean, thank you guys so much just for, like, I I don't know, being a platform where, like, I can share this. And, you know, I've been definitely sensitive to who I share my story with or want to talk to. So, um, I don't know. I It was no-brainer, though, when you guys reached out because, I don't know, you you make it a safe space for me to be me. And that's, like, means a lot. <laughs> awesome. That well, is, yeah. Very... I compliment. I <laughs> thank you. <laughs> she says that people stare because we look so good together. Yeah.